This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Hope you had a great weekend. We are back at it for another week here on the program. And uh, lots to get to coming out of a very busy weekend, including week one of the Canadian Football League. And the red-hot Toronto Blue Jays making a push for the playoffs, finishing up what uh, our guest coming up in about 20 minutes called the best homestand in the team's history. Uh, Lots of excitement about the Blue Jays, and certainly here, the Blue Bombers are in first place, and CFL fans rejoicing after getting the three-down game back on the weekend. Uh, We are going to have a great show today. As I mentioned, J.D. Bunkus from Sportsnet in Toronto will be our guest coming up in about 20 minutes. And then a little later on, We'll break down all of the action in the first four CFL games of the year with Justin Dunk from Three Down Nation. As always, we're brought to you by our great family of sponsors, including Canadian Club Whiskey, Royal Sports, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Not Auto Corp, Boston Pizza, Paramount Services Limited, Little Brown Jug Brewing, Assiniboia Downs, Breezy Bend Country Club, and Cool Bet Canada. Let's get right to it and welcome in Michael Remus to the program. Remo, what is up? How was the weekend? Great. Uh, it was awesome. We started off with uh, the Bomber game on, what was that, Thursday? And then a full slate of CFL games. Loved it. Uh, even had time to go out on Sunday and get a pair of new shoes. So it was definitely a blast. Uh, new kick. Yes, people are wondering. Uh, Huska, I did, I think, get quite a bit of sun today or on the weekend. Yeah. Might, might have to change uh, some of the set, the <laughs> the color. We are, we're working with a new camera. We're just figuring out the settings. It does look like you have, have a bit of a sun. Burn. Yes, the CTO did make a house call yesterday before I went out and enjoyed the rest of the weekend. And uh, we got an awesome new camera in. So we'll work around with some of the settings. But no, I'm not taking up the uh, a, a Trumpian tanning regime or anything, if that's what people are, uh, that's what people are wondering. Uh, and yes, no, the our, our extensive makeup department at WST is off this week. So we're just sort of doing doing with it what we can do. Um, man, it, it was a great weekend, though. Um, I got to say, I got out quite a bit, saw some people. It was so nice to see some of these restrictions loosened and uh, hit the beer can yesterday. Nice little afternoon and a bit of a beer garden. And then uh, obviously it was paying close attention to everything happening around the world of sports. Blue Jays on fire right now. It's got, you know, a lot of excitement about that team, Remus. It sort of is reminding some people of... 2015 but what's different about this team is how so much of this core is so young right now and they're coming into their own seemingly right in front of our eyes and now just three games out of the wild card the one thing I think this team has done with this incredible homestand that just finished up yesterday with that wild 9-8 win on the George Springer homer is that they are going to be playing meaningful games well into September. And whether the team makes the playoffs or not, when you look at where this team is almost in its infancy as being a legitimate contender, um, no matter what happens this season, what they've done so far and what they'll be able to accomplish in legitimately playoff atmospheres going forward, going to be great for this team, I think, this season, but more importantly, into the future. Yeah, I mean, this is pretty exciting. A big homestand over the weekend. Actually, though, you know, it's been a whole big homestand since they returned, going 9-2, and two, huh, since coming back to Toronto. Done with Buffalo. Done with Dunedin. I think this is pretty... Uh, here, let me bring myself on. This is pretty awesome to see. Uh, you know, he had a walk-off home run on Saturday. 
against Boston. And then again yesterday, George Springer with a big go-ahead home run to complete, you know, help complete the comeback. Uh, look, they made some additions. Um, Springer's healthy. Uh, you got the, the pitching, getting uh, Barrios, bullpen. Uh, I think the Jays are in a good spot. They're three games back for wild card, but there is a lot of runway left. You almost have two whole months, and that is a lot of time in Major League Baseball, especially with so much interdivision play. Off day for the Jays today as they head out to the West Coast. They'll take on the Angels beginning tomorrow. If I'm not mistaken, I think they're actually starting it off with a double header. So we'll get into all that with JD coming up in just a few minutes here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Uh, we're also going to spend quite a bit of time talking about the Canadian Football League, and Justin Dunk will be uh, on the program a little bit later on. Is before we get into the CFL, Remus, because we're going to have plenty of time to talk about that with our second JD on the program. Some pretty big hockey news today. First and foremost, when it comes to the Winnipeg Jets, all is quiet on the signings front. However, as we uh, were referring to at the end of last week, um, going into Friday, it's not just a big day for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers hosting their second home game. It's also a big day for the Winnipeg Jets and Neil Pionk because Friday is the day that the arbitration date is set for the Jets defenseman. So there will be a lot of interest as to whether... Pionk's agent, Kevin Chevaldeoff, Larry Simmons can get a deal done before Friday or they do go the arbitration route, which I don't really think is in the best interest of anyone. So that will certainly be a date that we'll be looking, talking about and paying attention to, depending on what happens with the Winnipeg Jets and Neil Pionk before that date. But the big news today, Remus, is um, we've got an Olympic coaching staff. Now, there's still no guarantees that the National Hockey League is going to be going to or the National Hockey League players and coaches will be going to the Olympics. Certainly, our fingers are crossed that that will take place. But assuming that that does happen, no surprise that John Cooper, back-to-back Stanley Cup champion, is tabbed as the head coach. And a pretty excellent group, including Bruce Cassidy, Peter DeBoer, and Barry Trotz on the Canadian coaching staff. And I had said, as long as Cooper and Trotz are on that staff, I think Canada's in great hands. Obviously, Cassidy and DeBoer have had a lot of success in the National Hockey League as well and have earned the opportunity. But I don't think there was probably much decision about John Cooper. To be honest, the only guy that I think might have been in that mix was Barry Trotz, and he'll be a big part of the coaching staff as well. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised they they named the team, considering we don't have a full answer about if they're going or not. So I guess gives you some optimism that Canada's like, hey, you know, if the NHL is going, we will be prepared. And yeah, John Cooper, I mean, back-to-back Stanley Cup champions. He's been with the Lightning for so long. He's won at every level in hockey. Did you know that he used to be a lawyer, Huss? I don't know if you, I don't know if you <laughs> I heard that I did hear one. that. And I did, did you know, hear that uh, once or Chris, twice. Chris Hogan used to always play, all, he used to play uh, lacrosse too. Lacrosse guy. <laughs> yeah, but uh, uh, I mean, Barry Trotz, no, those are two no-brainers. So uh, we'll see. I, I guess it makes you kind of optimistic that they did name a staff to see, okay, maybe they are thinking about going to the Olympics, NHL, so we'll wait and see. But the, I think, again, the big week for the Jets, arbit, you know, thir- or Friday, arbitration for Neil Pionk. Will they go to arbitration? Will they strike a deal before? We'll wait and see. And I see people in chat commenting that, you know, all these defense contracts really um, just wreck the market if you thought you were going to get Neil Pionk at under $6 million. Um, who was it? Uh, you know, the first one was the Jones one, then Makar, Wierenski, uh Nurse recently, you know, $9 million. Like, Pionk had a great year. I, I don't think you're getting, like, are you getting him for less than seven now? Like, has it just been bumped up like crazy because well, of all these deals? I, 
It's a great question. I thought about this a lot on the weekend. Um, you know, I guess we finished up the program and I went on uh, 960 with uh, Pat and the guys in Calgary and we spent quite a bit of time talking about the nurse contract. And it's always fun talking about Edmonton Oiler things in Calgary because <laughs> it's like talking about rider things in Winnipeg. I mean, there's just that inert rivalry and um, a cantankerous nature between fans and sometimes even the media having some fun with what's going on in Edmonton. But I mean, there was some crazy sticker shock. I certainly had a bit of a jaw drop. Now, maybe we shouldn't have been surprised considering the other deals that we've seen. But, I mean, Darnell Nurse had an incredible season. Um, he, he had 15, I think, even strength goals. But this was absolutely a career season, and he's going to be getting paid for that year for the next eight seasons. Um, but, you know, if you're Ken Holland the urgency to build this team into a championship contender and take advantage of the fact that you've got Connor McDavid and you've got Leon Dreisaitl, I think has been ramped up in a, in a big, big way, especially considering the way they bowed out in four straight games to the Winnipeg Jets. So they had to keep Darnell Nurse, especially after they lost Adam Larson, which I think really caught the Edmonton Oilers off guard. But as far as it pertains to our conversations here in Winnipeg with the Winnipeg Jets, Remus, you're exactly right. I mean, I had a number of conversations on the weekend. Like, what do all these numbers mean for Neil Pionk? I mean, Pionk was arguably, I mean, I think he was the Jets' best defenseman last year. And he put up really significant numbers for the last two seasons and wasn't really playing very often on the number one power play unit. Um, ate a ton of minutes up and did it. I think we can all agree with Derek Forward, who had a nice start of the season, but we really saw the law of diminishing returns. And at times, Pionk was carrying that pairing. So... Whatever Neil Pion gets, he'll have he'll have earned it. But I do wonder, Remo, if it how much more difficult it's going to be within the cap constraints of the Winnipeg Jets to get a deal done, preferably long term with Pionk, considering the two seasons he's had in Winnipeg and what the going rate is for legitimate top four defensemen in the National Hockey League. Yeah, it's a, I mean, that's a great question. We've seen again, we've seen it bu- bumped up. So I think Neil Pionk and his agent are probably licking their lips. I mean, last year, 32 points in 54 games. And that was, I think last year was really his breakout season, although he was pretty good the year before with 45 and in 71, just from a points. Uh, but he, I mean, he did play on the power play. Um, he was, you know, their, their top defenseman. I thought he should have played a lot more on the power play, to be yeah. honest with you. I mean, I, I and, you know, we won't get into the intricity, in, 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 intricities of, you know, decisions of the coach when it comes to one player or not. But just when it comes to the contract, it's not like he spent the entire season just eating up points on the Jets' number one power play unit. Nope. That wasn't the case. Um, but he was a big, big part of a quote-unquote power play two unit that was as effective as the first one was, maybe just wasn't on the ice as much. Um, you know, you extrapolate what he did in the 56-game season over a course of 82, and we're talking about a guy that's, you know, even had a better season than what he had, 45 points the year before. So he's certainly been there. Now, I believe it was Joe who just mentioned in the chat that um, Vince Dunn is a comparable and he signed for four million with the Kraken. Uh, he did on a two year deal. And and if they don't think they can sign him to, you know, a, a long term deal right now, that's probably where this ends up. But I really think that the Jets would love like they've done with so many of their other players to. I mean, I think they believe in Neil Pionk. I think they want him here long term. And that will be. 
the focus of the conversations I'd imagine over the next few days. But if it is not, doesn't look realistic to get it done, if the, the numbers are just too high for what it would take to sign him long term, I think you end up in a situation where ideally they get a deal done like with like the Kraken did with Vince Dunn before you get to arbitration and allow Neil Pionk to, you know, get paid fairly on RFA years. And then and then the and then the cost, presuming that he continues to do what he's done for Winnipeg, if he does that for another couple seasons, we'll be talking about a much greater number, albeit going into unrestricted free agent uh, free agent years. And that, I think, is the key thing for a player like Darnell Nurse. You talk about the number. I mean, there was basically all UFA years except for one of them, Remus. And that's why a lot of people sort of open their eyes to Kale McCarr's deal because he got $9 million eating up mostly RFA years. A little bit different. And that was part of the reason why I think Ken Holland had to go as high as he did to get Darnell Nurse signed and committed for the max term to the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, and, and McCarr is also, you know, one of the best defensemen in the league. So pay him, you know, whatever whatever he wants. Uh, Neil Pionk, not quite in that tier, but if you look at, you know, the way the Jets have their salary structure, and I think, you know, they do like to work within a structure. Okay, okay, your top dog is here, and your other guy's below, and you kind of have a hierarchy. The right now, Josh Morrissey is making $6.25 million, and I think last year you could definitely argue that Neil Pionk um, not argued, probably was more, you know, more important to the Jets and more a more effective player than Josh Morrissey. Morrissey had a miserable season. And I think he, you know, he'd tell you that he needs to be better. And he definitely can be better. But last year, Pionk was the better player. And, well, I think he probably deserves to make a bit more. But will he? We'll have to, you know, we'll have to wait and see what happens. But Friday is the date of the arbitration hearing. And we're either going to, on Friday, we're either going to have a deal or we're going to be heading into the weekend uh, with a hearing, and I'll be refreshing Twitter, uh, looking for the results. <laughs> and we've done this before with Andrew Cobb, so um, hopefully you don't have to do it again because it seems like it's never a good thing where you end up uh, doing the last resort that is arbitration. Well, and unfortunately, I mean, more often than not, that guys go to arbitration don't stay with the teams that they go to arbitration with. Um, and and that is why I think with what happened with Andrew Cobb um, was so impressive, the way he handled it. Uh, and the way he flourished over the last couple seasons to this point where he's certainly deserving of a pay raise. And the question is whether he'll get that from Winnipeg and how long of a term, uh, long of a term it will be. Um, the other option, of course, though, is Remus, if they don't get a deal done, and I'm speaking specifically to Andrew Kopp here, uh, if he goes to arbitration and they go through this again, and we're talking about a one-year deal and then unrestricted free agency, um, you know, I, 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 you would normally think that probably means he's gone and he'll be traded. The Jets could say, you know what, we're going to keep Andrew Kopp for this year. He's going to be a guy. I don't want to call him a rental, if you will. But, you know, we'll take our chances at the end of the season with him leaving. He's just too an important of a player um, to, you know, to not have in the lineup this season. We'll try and replace him next year if we lose him, uh, but maintain him in the lineup. And certainly it would be a much lesser number if you're talking about a one-year deal of RFA uh, team control as opposed to going into UFA years. Um, So the song and dance between both of the Winnipeg Jets restricted free agents and the hockey club is going to be very interesting. We'll find out the answers, I imagine, for Pionk before Andrew Kopp and of course, Cop, as you said, Reem, will somewhat be the main event is his date. I believe the final day yeah. of arbitration hearings. 
August 26th and uh, probably one of the most interesting hearings if it does go to that. But I think everybody on both sides are hoping that we won't be talking about a hearing between the Jets and Andrew Kopp at the end of the month. I'm just picturing, you know, Bruce Buffer before the Andrew Kopp arbitration. And now for the main event of the evening, because uh, I don't know, is that like strategic scheduling? Do the Jets have a say to say, OK, we know this is going to be a hard one. Uh, let's put it at the end or is the NHLPA setting? I'm kind of curious how those were scheduled in the order, but I'm sure they they knew, OK, they're going to need some extra time for the Andrew Kopp one. But that's the one to watch. I keep joking. It's the main event of arbitration. And we'll wait and see. I, and, you know, can the Jets even fit both of these guys under the cap? I mean, that's regardless of what you think they're going to pay. Can they fit both? I think that's the other question. Yeah, no doubt. Well, listen, we'll get to all that. James Robinson asking in the chat, do arbitrators look for comparable contracts lead-wide or just within the organization? Yeah, it's league-wide. You can do all the great work signing players, and then when, you know, defensemen are getting $9.5 for eight years, those are your comparables. So uh, you got to deal with that. All right, we're going to talk some baseball. What a weekend it was for the Toronto Blue Jays. J.D. Bunk is coming up in just a second. Before we do that, I want to welcome on our newest sponsor, Canadian Club Whiskey. I know a few of you were getting into a little CC on the weekend and certainly in the Jim Beam social hub there at the stadium at the game on Thursday night. And it's just fantastic to have them on board. We've got a couple interesting picks of uh, many people enjoying Canadian club at the game. And of course, they've also got Jim Beam, uh, Brugal Rum, very familiar with the Brugal Rum hut over in the corner of the stadium as well, along with Northern Keep Vodka and Salsa Tequila. I can't wait to get to doing some fun bomber related promos with the sponsor of the bombers in the spirits department. So we'll look forward to uh, hoisting a CC with all of you at some point at an event very soon and definitely at the game coming up on Friday at IG Field. Also, a big shout out to Royal Sports. You know, we talked on, what was it, Saturday, uh, Friday, after the girl, after our Canadian women won the gold medal, wondering where the Canadian soccer merch was. And I think that's a bigger problem for Canadian soccer overall. But Royal Sports, you know, is the number one spot for all sports equipment and merchandise and they have a great spread of Team Canada merch. I'm still waiting. I want to get a personalized Des Scott jersey to celebrate this gold medal. Uh, but in the meantime, you can pop by some great, great gear for both adults and kids. Repping Team Canada soccer. You can see a couple pictures there. And while you're there, check out. Um, they've also got some great new camping and limited edition Yeti merchandise as a Yeti dealer. Pop down and see them at Royal Sports. Bikes, fitness, hockey, soccer, bat- baseball. They've got it all. 650 Rallying EK and 7. 50 Pemina Highway. And I'm not sure whether DQ Nick's in the house, but uh, did have one of those amazing drumstick blizzards on the weekend. You can debate in the chat, which is the best one. Just know that our friends at the Nick and Nicky DQ group are there for you with DQ in Niverville, DQ Northgate, Polo Park, and St. Anne's. And uh, if you're getting back in the swing of things and getting together with friends, you certainly can be the hero. Bring one of those amazing DQ cakes. They'll do it up for you however you want. Hit them on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. Get that order in and pop by and pick it up at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs. Great to have them on board. All right. Really looking forward to this next segment. We've been uh, following the Jays, but everybody is talking about the Blue Jays right now. After a homestand, our next guest referred to as maybe the best in team history. Absolute pleasure to welcome in from Sportsnet 590 and good show. It is J.D. Bunkus. J.D., what's going on? Thanks so much for doing this and welcome to a Winnipeg Sports Talk. Hustler, first of all. What a lineup of sponsors you've got. <laughs> Heavy hitters, CC. 
Boom. Love it. I'm going to tip one back myself. Dairy Queen, Summertime, that's your sponsors. And then Canadian soccer jerseys. This is like, you got the trifecta here. You know what? We are, um, it's been awesome. I, I got to say, and, and, and you know the business. I mean, we had sort of, a, yeah. we got dealt a pretty uh, bad curveball uh, a few months ago. And honestly, the way um, not only that people have responded to being able to take our content to a new spot, but the sponsors have really made us able to do it. So uh, it's been an awesome first five months and we can't wait to get into September. Normally, I would have thought that we'd be talking about NFL, CFL, NHL training camps, but there's a baseball team in this country that has moved right into the front page of every sports fan's conversation after a pretty magical 11 games at home. Uh, Let me just start off with the homecoming game. I mean, you're there in Toronto. You're on the flagship station. Um, How big was it for the city, the province, and the Canada, but especially there in the GTA to have the Blue Jays back, even playing in smaller crowds at home at the Rogers Center. I guarantee it was the same. What what night was it that the Thai Cats were in town and you guys had your home opener? Yeah, that was last That's, Thursday. It was last Thursday. And I bet if you ask your audience, the people that went there, that it was a lot of excitement and a little bit of nerves because we haven't been in crowds for a long time. But once you sat there and you saw the ceremonies and you heard the anthem and you saw your team come out repping your city and you're at that game because you know what sports mean to you. There's the odd person that's there because it's the event. If you're a sports fan, you know what sports mean. And to me, it was, you know, it's, it's a place to have a conversation, but it's also a gathering place. And that's been taken from us for so long because of this um, virus. And so Friday night and this weekend and this week and this homestand, it's like we've just basically had our version of one long ass bombers game where it's been emotional. There have been a lot of tears. Uh, there's been a lot of just normalcy a little bit where you're high fiving strangers and you're talking to people that you don't know. Like, think about it. it's all been about bubbles and it's all been about like your five people that you know, your four people that you know. And all of a sudden you're reminded that you share this bond with tens of thousands of hundreds of thousands of people that all have this shared experience with you. And so like the team is amazing right now. They're so likable. They're tearing the cover off the baseball. They're getting this incredible starting pitching. That's now, you know, six deep essentially where we're having conversations about who's going to go to the pen, but just like, man, why I said it's the best homestand ever is partially unfair because we can just never replicate this feeling of like, getting back our community, you know, like, no, so it, it, I, I've just been overwhelmed these last couple of weeks, as I'm sure, again, Bombers fans have been, or anybody that, you know, watches your show or listens is just like, I can't believe we're finally getting there when it felt like at times we, like we never would. No, it, it, JD, it's such a, a, a great comparison in that, you know, here there was a wait for a year and a half to finally raise yeah. a Grey Cup banner that was 29 years of suffering in the yeah, making. Man. But I will say this for the Blue I mean, the Blue Jays and Raptors are unique because, of course, they're in Toronto and they're Toronto teams, but they you sort mean, of like are people in the city like them. Yeah, well, that, yeah. that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But they're also sort of Canada's teams, but specifically there. For Blue Jays fans that, you know, normally do go to games and, you know, make it a part of their summer where they're going often or even a few times. 
the fact that the team wasn't there and they're playing in Dunedin and they're playing in Buffalo while everyone else is playing in their home ballparks. Yeah. And over the last year and a half watching this team with all that incredible talent turn into the team that everyone was hoping them. I mean, the timing of everything couldn't almost be better, J.D., in that this team comes back. You mentioned they start ripping the cover off the ball. Management helps them out with some of the things that they need. And all of a sudden you have the excitement of the return, but almost maybe overshadowed by the excitement of this is a team that people have been waiting for for years that seems to be ready to announce their ascension into contender status. Last time I was at the ballpark, the team sucked. They were horrible. I went to, (laughs) you know, I went from this experience where it was 2015 and 16. You felt like you had to be down at the ballpark because it was amazing and it was electric and the team was special and 2017, 18, 19. Woof. Like, Socrates Brito I've seen live, you know, uh, Alan Hansen was an acquisition. Uh, you just watch the team get torn to shreds and by this new management group that everybody hated and thought had no emotional connection to the team that finally got us back into the playoffs after one of the longest droughts in baseball, other than, you know, your buddy there with the Mariners cap, he's still suffering. He's good. <laughs> You're suffering a while longer, bro. Um, that's going to keep going. Uh, Yankees <laughs> whooped ass and uh, Mariners trading their closer. Uh, not the same, not the same ball club. Um, it was bad. Like you still went to the game, but it was basically like at the time I was calling it Toronto's biggest patio. Like that's the way it should be branded. Cause you're not really watching baseball. So to go from that team and then just basically be put in a time machine where all of a sudden you're back into like competitive baseball with a likable group that has superstar players and is adding at the deadline. It's like, I don't know. It's like a surreal feeling. It's crazy. You know, going again from these like bums, there's bums, there's a bum, bum, bummy team (laughs) to George Springer hitting walk-offs against an all-star closer it's about as big a discrepancy as what we had here uh, to what we've got now as, as you can have. So, yeah, it's like this this team is amazing. You can nitpick with a couple of things and the divisions are re- the divisions loaded right now. There's, there's so many good teams. But this is in my lifetime, the most likable Blue Jays team. And you bring that to fans back at the Rogers Center after not having it for a year and a half and like. It's, it's just, it really, I don't want to get into the like fairy tale stuff with sports, but it really feels that way right now. Like that's the vibe that you get in this city. That's the vibe you get with this team is like, they get it. Well, it's been a long time coming and I will say, I'm not, they're not just the most likable Blue Jays team. I mean, they are the most fun team in sports. I think right now, I mean, you can't not help. I mean, you check your pulse. If you're not sort of getting a smile on your face, watching what these guys are doing. Let me ask you this, though. This team really hasn't been, as you pointed out, a contender since everything went off the rails after 2015. That was a hell of a team, a little bit more veteran. But they're, what are the similarities between that team and this one, and how are they different in your mind, JB? Well, I think that they both can hit. 2015, I would definitely take in terms of the lineup. Uh, they both have a bat that's going into a West Coast trip at the end of the year facing an Angels team where the conversation is about who the MVP is. The Angels guy was Mike Trout then. The Blue Jays guy was Josh Donaldson then. And now it's Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Shohei Otani. And Vlad slipped a little bit lately since the All-Star break. His numbers are like his OPS post-All-Star break, I think, is somewhere like 
870-ish, which is not good enough to get MVP. But if he has a series against the Angels and against Shohei, then we're going to be right back there, just like in 2015, where it was a debate about which guy is the MVP. I think it's Shohei, and that's no knock on Vlad, but both teams have special players. Both teams have special guys in the lineup. Um, the bullpens are very different. Like this Blue Jays bullpen is trash. Um, they got a couple of guys in there that you feel okay about, but the headliner right now is a soft toss and righty and Adam Simber who pitches the contact, which is not very 2021 when it comes to baseball. So I would say that's a pretty big discrepancy, but you know, you've got things like the potential for Nate Pearson to play the Aaron Sanchez role out of the bullpen and show up and really bolster them. And so, yeah, I just, there are a lot of similarities. There's a load up at the deadline. There's giving up on prospects. I would say that one of the other big differences though, Hustler is for all the crap this front office took. And I know I seem like captain shill because I work for Sportsnet. It's like Rogers. And so I'm like, look at this Rogers guy. Let me shill for these executives for a second here, but they took a lot of crap when they showed up here. They got the Shatkins nickname. Everybody hated their guts. Everybody wanted to run them out of town. And the difference here is that this Jays team is special. 2015, I thought they were the best team in baseball. And so I don't think this group is. I think that they're a little tiered down. But the difference is that the farm still has dudes. Alex Anthopoulos completely unloaded it in 2015. And I don't hate him for it because what he gave up turned out to be not much. Everyone was crying about Jeff Hoffman, and now he's a Reds pitcher with like a six ERA. Who cares? But these guys still have an offseason ahead of them where they've got, I don't know, five, four of the best prospects in baseball. Like, that's nuts. There's never been symmetry like this between the big league club and the minor league system where you can make a trade for Jose Barrios, give up someone like Austin Martin, who everybody loved, give up someone like Simeon Woods Richardson, who everybody believed could have been here at some point this season. And you look at the farm and say, uh, there's still a ton of guys that you can move for, say, a Jose Ramirez in the offseason. So if this team keeps kicking ass, this team keeps showing that they're right there on the cusp, they've got three starting pitchers that you like going into next season. you got some money to play with because everybody's still on rookie deals where you can go out and you're not in a spot where you have to pay Jose Bautista a big contract or pay Edwin Encarnacion or pay Josh Donaldson, right? Like, these guys are still a couple of years away from their contracts and you have a little bit of time before Vlad and Bo and those guys start to rack up the cash. So you've got financial flexibility to pay the Robbie Rays, to keep this core together, to pay the Marcus Semyons. You've already gone out and done your free agent bid with George Springer. And now you have these prospects where maybe one or two of them crack and join this club, but maybe you use two or three of them and you go out and get another stud piece and you actually become one of the top contenders in baseball. So like, I don't like how we never live in the moment with sports because this team is awesome and it's special. As you mentioned, we're always looking at like what was the past and what could be the future, but it's hard not to look at the future with this team. When you know, like their star players are in their early twenties, their most impactful guys are in their prime, prime primes. And you have money and pieces that you can move around to improve a club. That's already good. And has one of the best run differentials in baseball. Like, it is truly, 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 truly sports special right now with the Jays. And so I hope that people are just kind of soaking this in and that I guess for you guys, it's not staying up as late. But when there's a 10 o'clock game, I don't want to hear anybody bitching about, I don't get to stay up late. Just watch the team. Shut up and watch the team. It's awesome. <laughs> J.D. Buckets of Sportsnet talking Blue Jays with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. You mentioned George Springer. 
because so much of the focus has been on these young players, the, uh, you know, the Biggio, Bichette, Vladdy Guerrero, mm-hmm. kind of becoming stars in their own right. Um, they added Springer and, you know, there was a lot of consternation when he wasn't able to yeah. play at the start. Is there, did they just pay all this money for a guy that won't be able to take the field? Mm-hmm. Seems like uh, he's been worth the wait. Uh, tell us about the impact that he's had on this team. And and what a guy with that pedigree and experience, a place that he has in a room of a lot of talented but young players mm-hmm. without a lot of experience that he brings to the table. I got my hand up. I had moments where at the beginning of the season, in private conversations with friends, let's just say <laughs> I wouldn't want those revealed about my George Springer takes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> like everybody has their skeletons. Mine are if someone hacks my text messages and shows George Springer text right now that I had like four months ago versus what I had now. You're seeing the value of a guy who's been in big games. And I don't think it's a coincidence that when the Blue Jays come home and they face the Red Sox and they have these kind of must win games in this homestand to galvanize the fan base and really have the energy of the city roll through with this Blue Jays team? Because they could have easily, like, if you look at, again, the division and what the teams they're chasing, if the Blue Jays have a 500 homestand or, you know, go a game over 500, they're almost out of it. And George Springer plays his best baseball under bright lights in a big city where everybody is just showing up and invested and it feels like playoff baseball. And I'll be honest, this guy, so there were some stats that showed that Springer was one of the worst defenders of the uh, old trash can banging, that he was one of the dudes that used it the most. But what you're seeing is a guy basically have his image completely rehabilitated with the stick so far this season because, you know, he's looking like a thousand OPS guy, the perfect leadoff guy, and someone where if you look at his track record, he's hit since he was in the minors. He's hit since he was in the University of Connecticut. He's always been a pure hitter. So to me, it's like, yeah, the Astros were cheaters and he cheated on those teams and he deserves it. Like that's part of who he is forever, man. Like it just, it is what it is. You cheat, you get busted. It's part of who you are, but he's played in big games. He's played in a lot of big games. He's been the leadoff hitter for a team with a ton of crazy good talent, despite the the trash can banging. So I think like his professionalism, how he's liked the way that he approaches everything from base running to defense, that he's like this complete player, not just a one-dimensional guy, and that he's also has the experience of these big moments and also shows these guys about like, he didn't get paid for a long-ass time. He was someone who got his contracts pushed back and uh, service manipulation time that if you just do things, I guess I shouldn't say the right way, but if you keep being a professional, you can end up as a ticketed free agent who's getting $160 million. You know, you can be the guy who gets paid and then still continues to play this way. So I think he's been one of the leaders. I think that he also shows Blue Jays fans that they're allowed to bitch and moan about uh, free agents not coming here and, you know, Rogers not ponying up for enough guys when it's like, yep, yep, there's money. You know, Rogers is going to do all right. They can go out and get free agents. They can pay the Toronto tax. They can get the George Springers. And when you get those free agents, you see the impact that it has on these teams, right? You spend money, you're usually better off. People have been kind of gaslit into this idea that it's all about prospects, prospects, prospects. And it's like, nah, Toronto's not a small place. Canada's not a small market. It's a huge market. It's top five in North America. Go out and spend cash. Go out and get the George Springers of the world and do it right now while you have Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Bo Bichette on rookie deals and Nate Pearson potentially coming up and Alec Manoa, you know? So I think that 
he's just, he's been everything that you could have wanted and more. And if you just look at like why you sign a guy like George Springer, it's about wins above replacement for his position. And I would say even in the like, what, 40, has he even played 40 games? I don't even think so. The amount of games that he's played, I think he's already made good on his contract for the first year. Like even with the injury, which is insane. Like that's how good he's been. So yeah, um, could not be a bigger George Springer fan right now. Like heart. You're asking me right after he hit a, not a walk-off, but basically a walk-off against the Red Sox. So, like, I love the guy to death. But, yes, I, I just – I really do think George Springer has helped transform this franchise. And it's very, very rare in sports where you sign a huge ticket-free agent and they exceed expectations. And he's doing that so far. Yes, the uh, the approval rating of one uh, G Springer is uh, – Eric just referred to him as the Springer of Rain in the chat. Nice one, Eric. Ooh, yeah, like You can use that good. sometime on the, on the show if you want, JD. Put that yeah, one. Except for here's the thing. Josh Donaldson is not the type of guy who uh, – like Josh Donaldson would hear that and he would be pissed off. Like, that's just the facts. Yeah, well, but, he, yeah, I like it. He can be – um, all that being said, and I love your take on like, let's enjoy this, like live in the moment and, you know, get fired up for this game tomorrow and focus on the wild card. But for a minute, I mean, big picture, this team, yeah. it's not like they're getting blown up after this season. And for no, a Springer, don't. for a Springer coming in with all of the experience, I mean, you have to get that somehow, regardless of whether this team gets into the playoffs. I think we can all be assured that they're going to be playing meaningful playoff like games for the remainder of August and into September. How important is that for this team? When you look at a window for the next three, four years to, to have put themselves back in a situation where they're not playing out the stretch and they might get there. They might not. But I mean, to me, this is, this will be foundational for all these players to finally be in games that feel like playoff games, even before they get there. You've been watching sports a long time. And if there's one thing that the Raptors have shown us in the city recently over like the last decade, it's there's a real benefit to being good and not winning. We get trapped in like championship culture of, did you win a ring? No, then you're a loser. But realistically, you know this as well as anybody. If you play on a competitive hockey team, Year in, year out, you build up those reps, you build up those calluses so that when those moments come, you don't feel like they're too big for you. That applies to all sports. And if you play on a crappy team, it doesn't matter how young your guys are, you start to develop bad habits. Not everyone. There are the special kinds that are able to stay locked in and focus no matter what and have that desire to win. But for other guys, you know, the trappings of becoming a professional athlete, having fame, having money, having notoriety. Uh, now having popularity before you even do anything like no offense, but look at what happened with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Everybody anointed these three guys as the greatest hockey players who ever lived in this market. And then it turned out like they can't win anything might have something to do with the fact that, you know, they never faced an ounce of adversity, maybe like ever. Um, maybe just maybe that's just, again, one guy's thought having the blue Jays be a playoff team last year, where again, it was like an asterisky playoff, but still, you got to face a Rays team that went to the World Series and you got to know like what the difference is between you and them. And you add a professional hitter like George Springer, you start adding at the deadline and already in these guys' careers, they're starting to be surrounded by guys who desperately want to win and who have won and who are trying to get their first championship. Like you don't think it's impactful that they went out and got a guy like Jose Barrios from Minnesota who 
was in this market that never won. And now he's rejuvenated coming to a new place. And like the energy that that brings guys, would they look at him and say, look at this dude, I don't want to be that. Like, I don't want to be floating on a bad team for a bunch of years and just trying to keep my numbers up and maybe getting traded at a deadline where I don't have any like ownership over what I can do. These guys are building those repetitions. So that you, the more times you're faced with adversity, the more times you're put into an uncomfortable situation, you know, this is a broadcaster. Like, you know, this, this is a truth, truth, truth. Repetitions matter more than anything else. You can be the most talented person in the universe. Doesn't mean Jack, if you don't keep doing it over and over and over again, reps, reps, reps. And so these guys having last year to lean on. And now this season where they come home, feel the pressure of being back in Toronto. Now go out on the road and have to maintain that same level of professionalism. Be in a race with the New York freaking Yankees, the Boston Red Sox, the Tampa Bay Rays, the Oakland Athletics, like winning regular season for the Athletics and Rays, but franchises that are good year over year over year, you're building those repetitions. You're learning what it's like to play in those big games. And if you just look at some of these other franchises in baseball, right? Like the Detroit Tigers, for example, they've got a great crop of young players. They really do. And they've had some for a while now. Like how long have the, they been rebuilding their baseball team? They don't have as much money to splash around on the Springers and types, but it's like, eventually you lose enough. You sort of tend to become a loser. And so I think, yeah, these reps for the Jays, what I'm getting at here is like, I think it's just like anything else. The more you do something that matters, the more that you show that you can thrive under pressure, the better off you're going to be in the long run. And so, yeah, when you're in your early twenties, like when I was just like smoking weed and drinking beer and developing no repetitions of anything, <laughs> drinking CCs, you know, throwing them back, having a rye in water. Um, I wasn't developing any kind of uh, actual meaningful strength other than, you know, the, the ability to go to the States and drink every person in America under the table. Um, it's but the now, Yukon background. Oh, buddy. <laughs> America and the drink. Have you ever, like, you go to the States, you see them drinking, you're like, this is pathetic. They think that it's amazing. It's like, that, that's it. That's the only thing I built up through college. <laughs> I think that these guys in their early 20s, by the time they're actually hitting their like primey prime primes in their age 26, 27 seasons, when they've developed, you know, these computer brains and have every type of thing that's been in, uh, put in front of them, they're, they're not going to be afraid of success. They're not going to feel overwhelmed in these moments. And so, yes, I do think that all of this could culminate in not just one world series, but like multiple world series. We're looking at like 92, 93, where there's a real opportunity where these blue Jays could be going back to back. JD Bunkus is with us from Sportsnet talking about the blue Jays, incredible homestand nine and two. They're on the road to take on the angels beginning tomorrow. Of course, you can see all the games on Sportsnet. Uh, I just wanted to quickly ask you about Barrios because this was, uh, I mean, exactly what this team needed along with maybe a couple more elite arms in the bullpen. Um, when you and Ben were doing the show and you found out about this trade, I mean, what, how was it received and what was the, what was the statement that management was making both to the fan base, but also the guys in that dressing room? So I was at a wedding um, and the news came across the wire that they had gotten them. And I think it was on the Thursday, right? Or was it Friday? Either way, it was like the dress rehearsal or, some, or rehearsal or whatever. And I'm at a golf course. And so all of a sudden people start coming up to me and asking me about how I feel about the trade. And my initial reaction was, I can't believe they did it because I had spent a week of shows and Barrios was the only real significant pitcher that was available. 
And the last conversation I had with Morosi was his asking price is just going to be too high because they're in such a great position of leverage. And the team, the front office that the Blue Jays had, and made me question whether they would make a move like that, whether they would be willing to give up a ton of an overpay of prospect capital to bring somebody in this season when it looked like playoffs was a bit of a long shot fighting for only the second wild card. Um, I love the trade. Again, if the Blue Jays only had those two guys down at the farm, I'd look at this a little differently and say, boy, now, you know, there's a lot of pressure on you re-signing Ray and Semyon and making sure that you guys can get out in free agency and address this team because there's only one pathway forward. But upon reflection, it seemed like Austin Martin was not as coveted within the organization as fans thought he was just because he slipped in the draft. And, and this stuff generally tends to happen after a player gets dealt is people start to kind of crap all over the prospect and then they're not that high on them. It's like a way of breaking up, right? She's not that into you. And all of a sudden you're not that into her either. Right? <laughs> so I think that's a bit of a byproduct here. Simeon Woods Richardson, I had no problem with because they traded Marcus Stroman for him and they were bad for a couple of seasons. His value went up and they basically turned Marcus Stroman, who was never going to be here long-term into a meaningful piece to get you Jose Barrios in a window where you're trying to win. So basically to me, it was like you were just renting Simeon Woods Richardson for a moment like this. So I like that part of the deal. Now they have Aurelvis Martinez in the system. They have uh, Gabriel Moreno. They still have Jordan Groshans and those three guys, those three position players, they, from people I've spoken with were all ahead of where Austin Martin was on the depth chart when it came to prospects. So at first, when I saw the names that were attached to this, it was a two things can be true thing, right? Where I was excited for Barrios, but I was like, oh man, I've kind of grown accustomed or uh, attached to these prospects. And I really wanted to see how Austin Martin especially was going to play out. But when you separate yourself from the moment of, oh crap, we've lost these prospects and you jump right into being back at the Rogers Center and Barrios is shutting teams down and punches out seven guys in his first start and then six in a shortened game against the Red Sox where all he gives up is a wall scraper home run, you go like, Simeon Woods Richardson might be good. In three years, he could be maybe Jose Barrios. I'm not waiting on that. And Austin Martin plays the same position as Bo Bichette or maybe George Springer. And I feel pretty good about where the Blue Jays are at with that right now. And they've got a bunch of other prospects, so he was expendable. And that's what good teams do. They take from an area of surplus and they address areas of need and they try and win. And I just think that trying to win is a lot more fun than waiting on the idea of winning and keep kicking the can down the road and being like an Oklahoma City Thunder fan where you're like, we have all these draft picks. It's like, cool. What You got to watch 82 games of Oklahoma City Thunder suck ass. That doesn't seem worth it to me. I'd rather watch the winning than like read Baseball America about how Austin Martin was great at double A. Yeah, it's it's never, never a great thing when the most exciting day every year for your franchise is the draft and the draft lottery. And uh, that's certainly not where the Jays are. Ping pong balls, like go to the casino, (laughs) (laughs) go to the casino. It's way better. You're actually getting something or losing something like go there. You'll be fine. Uh, JD, this has been so much fun having you on the program. Uh, folks, you should definitely give him a follow on Twitter and on Instagram. Fellow cool bet guy like myself. So we'll put out some fun parlays and bets at oh, times. Right. And uh, and where can folks listen to you? Uh, fill us in on uh, on the show and uh, when people will be able to tune in and uh, check out. I imagine there'll be a lot of fun Blue Jays talk coming up on Good Show. 
Yeah, it's almost like the Blue Jays are so exciting right now that I feel guilty talking about the NFL. Like I had Mike Florio on today. There's all these interesting things going on with the NFL and the quarterbacks. And I want to talk about like Trey Lance and you feel guilty bringing up anything where you're like, okay, we, we got to shuffle on because people just want to hear about this Blue Jays team right now. So yeah, plenty of Blue Jays talk nine to noon Eastern time uh, here in Toronto. You can stream on sportsnet.ca. You can get the podcast wherever they're available, Spotify, iTunes. Um, you hit that follow button. Same thing. I post it on my Instagram and on my Twitter every single day. So you follow either of those two things. You'll, you'll figure it out. I think people, if people are here, they're watching you. Uh, they can figure it out. Yeah, you, Absolutely. You hey, just on the way out, uh, anyone in uh, Toronto noticed the uh, Argos big win on the weekend? No. Um, buddy, this is the crazy thing. I love the CFL. Uh, I actually grew up like a Ticats fan because I ran into that 99 team at a birthday party of mine when I was in Edmonton at a Planet Hollywood in the mall. Uh, and so it was like, I ran into Joe Mont. I didn't know who any of these people were. My dad did. So he was like, go up and talk to these Ticats players. I mean, I have them framed all the autographs on the back of a Planet Hollywood menu over on the wall over there. And so I grew up and then they won, right? They won a great cup, 99 and I'm a kid. And so I'm thrilled. And so I stayed a CFL fan my whole life. Um, I will be heartbroken. Like I talked to Brunt about this the other day about what the future of the CFL was. Cause I'm sure that your audience is stoked that this XFL thing fell through, but God, as long as Toronto's around, I just don't trust their interests in the league. Like I just don't trust where the Argos are at versus the rest of the CFL, maybe like Montreal and BC. I don't know what's up with them. Cause BC still doesn't have the owner and Montreal is like, who knows what's going on in that province all the time. We're again, we're not speaking the same language. So it's like, yeah. who knows what they're up to, but like seeing an opener where it's tie cats bombers and just like, we know the teams that matter. We know the teams that it's supposed to be protecting something. And so like Toronto doesn't care. I love going to the games. It's such a great live event. Every time I bring someone to an Argos game in the city, they're always like, Oh my God, this is so good. I'm like, I know <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> Uh, people, people here, I don't mean to crap on Toronto people because I live here, but it's a high event city. And to them, the NFL is the only thing that's like worth people's times. If it's not the best, then it's the worst. And it breaks my heart because the Argos play in this beautiful stadium and it's professional football. You get to go see some of the best athletes on the planet and it's our game and nobody shows up here and nobody cares. So I honestly think like the best case scenario as much as I hate this because there are real Argo fans, right? Like they're really all oh, for sure. There are, but, but part of me is just kind of hoping that the CFL stays like a 16 league or adds a couple of other teams. I don't know how it's viable to do that with teams from out East or whatever, but that teams like Toronto just beat it and go to the XFL and that they don't drag everybody with them. That's, that's my hope and a prayer. Cause I, we both know that like Winnipeg and Saskatchewan, like they're going to be financially fine organizations. They don't need the Toronto bailout. Maybe there's the TV stuff will change, but all I know is that I, I just, it would break my heart if Toronto ruins the CFL. Like <laughs> I, I, I cannot have that. And it, oh. and it, and like, there's whispers that they are the ones who want to ruin it. No, that certainly, I think, was where all that talk in the offseason went. And I mean, for me, I mean, I can hear thoughts, thoughts too. 
That is Justin Dunk. We're going from one boy, JD right. to another JD yeah. coming off. It's kind of cool how the guys can see each other on yeah. the thing. I know. That's um, my boy right there, though. Dunker. You, Love you, you buddy. Good you nailed it. You. So, yeah, we're going to dive big time into the three-down game after the weekend. And um, I tell you what, JD, this was so much fun. Thank you for doing this. Hopefully we can no do this again sometime and keep Anytime, up the great brother, work. You know Loving the show. And uh, love to see those parlays. You're cranking out on the IG. Let's get a W tonight. Big random baseball night. No Blue Jays. Got to gamble. Cool bet. You know the drill. Awesome. Thanks again, dude. There he is. That's JD Bunkus. Give him a follow on Twitter and, of course, on Instagram. And, um, yeah, it's a great part of the Cool Bet family. He's got uh, his his branded The Cowards Parlay, which often comes through. It's been a lot of fun. Anyways, he was great. And I... You know, we'll talk about the good side of the Canadian Football League and what we saw with Jay, uh, with Justin Dunk right away. But man, um, the excitement about the Toronto Blue Jays after this homestand with these young players. And we talked, we've talked a lot about fun uh, in the last couple of weeks here on this program with Nate Schmidt coming in and the sort of energy that he brings to a team that was maybe at times a little stiff. Uh, you didn't, weren't really saying that about the Jays at any point, but I mean, with the home run jacket and tying up Vladdy in the dugout, and I mean, they are just so much fun to watch. And um, now they're winning the way they are right now. It's going to be a very, very fun next couple months for the Blue Jays and their fans. All right, we're going to get to CFL talk coming right away with Justin Dunk from Three Down Nation. I um, do want to thank another one of our great new sponsors, Paramount Services Limited. Um, my buddy, Kerry O'Brien and the uh, great staff over there are doing an amazing job servicing company, uh, you know, restaurant, convenience store, commercial HVAC, plumbing, electrical, handyman services, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year for the past 28 years in Western Canada. If you're looking for a one-stop shop for your kitchen or cooler supplies for your business or property in Western Canada, give Joel a call for all the kitchen and cooler surprise or our buddy Kerry O'Brien, and you can visit their website at ParamountServicesLTD.com for more information. And uh, in addition, on top of if you're in that business and have needs, they'll certainly take care of you as they continue to grow, always looking for people. So if you know any qualified techs or people with experience in HVAC, plumbing, electrical, or handyman services, you can go to your website and submit your resume today. Again, that's ParamountServicesLTD.com. Um We'll be getting together with the Knot Boys coming up on Friday for the game. And I think we'll be going in the big Knot bus to the stadium. But in the meantime, if you're looking for a great vehicle, maybe a little smaller than the Knot bus, head on down to Knot Auto Corp at Waverly and McGilvery. Just saw their Instagram feed on the weekend. Just a couple absolutely beautiful vehicles going off the lot. Um, you can find out more about their Teslas, SUVs. They've got literally an incredible selection of vehicles, not all super high end, but many of them as well. So before you make your decision on your next car, make sure you talk to the experts over at Not. Why not get a great deal on the car of your dreams at Not Auto Corp, Waverly and McGilvery, or check them out online at Not.ca. And uh, I will, hands up, if you made it to a BP patio on the weekend, I certainly did. I went with wings and pizza, but I have had this special honey dill fried chicken sandwich that everyone in Winnipeg is loving for obvious reasons. I've also got the burger Italiano on the summer menu. And the next time you're on the patio, try the new Bulldog Margarita Fishbowl, the White Sangria Smash, the Peachy Mojito Royale, or the Galaxy Fishbowl, all available at your local Boston Pizza. And of course, everything available now 
for takeout delivery and dining in with the restrictions loosened. All right, let's get to some three-down football. What a crazy weekend it was, and we probably shouldn't have expected any different. Let's welcome in Justin Dunk from Three Down Nation to uh, look back at week one of the return of the CFL. JD, what's up? It's great to have you back. And before we talk about the ins and outs of what happened on the field, how great was it to see that crowd full in Winnipeg, the Ticats and Bombers go at it, and three more games as the CFL finally returned after all this time off. It was glorious, my man. I'm sure you were eating it up out there, like you said, the Boston pizza patio or whatever you were having out there, but it was amazing to finally see it. It was, um, I mean, I I can tell you, the atmosphere in Winnipeg was one of, it, it was a combination of a bunch of things. I mean, you know, first and foremost, for so many people, this was the first event that they had been to in probably a year and a half. First time they'd been around crowds that they'd been. And unlike in some other places, I think it was even more celebratory and festive, not only because the Great Cup Panner was going up, but because everyone in that building knew that everybody else was double vaxxed. And I think there was a real level of comfort, I think, for everybody there. But on top of that, you had, you know, coming back a beautiful night, getting to the stadium, seeing so many people, frankly, that you just hadn't bumped into in the better part of two years. I mean, it was such a magical night just from a spectator perspective as far as life goes. And then you have the Bombers go out and um, shut it down after giving up six in the first quarter. I mean, hard to imagine things going any better for the Grey Cup champs in game number one of the season. About a perfect script as you could have done it if you were Michael Shea, the head coach for the Bombers. They ran the rock. The defense was in the face of Jeremiah Masoli all night, led by, of course, by Willie Jefferson, gets the pick too. And you're right, Hustler. The Bombers come out of the gate looking like they are back-to-back material. They return a lot of that coaching staff. Buck Pierce knew as the offensive coordinator, but really overall, they look dynamic. The key to me, Huss, the offensive line. To me, it still is the best in the league. And it really doesn't matter, with all due respect to Andrew Harris, who's running the rock, Brady Oliveira, Johnny Augustine, Harris, I don't care who you put behind there. You might even fall forward for a couple of yards there. Huh? <laughs> They're going to look good. <laughs> well, and I have to say, part of the reason why I was still really bullish on the Bombers coming in, despite all the unknowns of the time off, is the fact that, I mean, this team won the Great Cup on kicking their opponent's ass on both sides of the line of scrimmage. It happened in Calgary and it happened again. And that is the foundation for success in professional football. Zach Kolaris is a guy that hasn't had the benefit of an elite offensive line in front of him at times in his career. And part of that's, you know, contributed to, you know, some injuries. Well, if you're Zach Caleros right now coming out of that game, how excited are you to know that you're going to be playing behind Stanley Bryan and Jamarcus Hardrick and that gang? And and what does that mean for the potential of Zach Caleros as a starting QB for a full season? It means if he can stay healthy, he'll be in the MOP conversation, certainly. And that means the Bombers will be contending in the West Division and for the Grey Cup as well. He looked like vintage Caleros on a number of those snaps. Hush. You could see him moving around the pocket when he had to. He looked like that confident Caleros that we saw way back in about 2015 before he suffered that knee injury. To me, he looked rejuvenated. He's got the new hairstyle, new helmet, rocket number eight, looks slim and trim with the single digit. He knows he's got targets down the field. He's clearly developed a strong rapport with Kenny Lawler. We saw him fire a bunch of targets his way. So when he gets Darvin Adams back in the lineup could be even better. And I'm curious to see 
what will happen as the season goes along and he gets even more comfortable in Buck Pierce's offense. Yeah, and, and and you mentioned Brady Oliveira. Everyone's talking about Brady Oliveira all weekend because the Dodo tweeted out that three-minute video of him rescuing a bunch of puppies, and if he wasn't popular enough in Winnipeg already, <laughs> people saw that, and now they're completely sold. Um, Pretty incredible debut, though, for him. And you want to talk about a, a rookie, and this is something that an offensive line does for a running back. The confidence that he gained throughout the game as they started to exert their will on the Ticats' defensive front I mean, you saw, was it four consecutive 10-yard runs in the fourth quarter? I mean, for a young man making his CFL debut, never mind in front of friends and family in a special night in his hometown. Um, if people were worried about the succession plan after Andrew Harris with Canadian running backs, it certainly seems like the uh, Kyle Walters and the gang have filled the funnel perfectly for Winnipeg going forward, regardless of you know what the situation might be with the veteran Andrew Harris going for the rest of the season. With all due respect, again, to Andrew Harris, don't be worried about the succession plan because part of it is the offensive line and them being so good. And Brady Oliviera and his love for dogs, well, to compare him to a dog, scouts have called him a pit bull as a runner. That guy runs so physical and hard. He's feisty, difficult to get down. And to me, it's just the start. And, you know, if he gets nicked up or needs a breather, Johnny Augustine behind him has proved that he can get it done as well behind that offensive line. So I really think the Bombers are in a great situation, especially in game one where you're coming off nearly two years of not playing football. You're worried about your conditioning. Well, you can rely on firing off the football through the offensive line being physical and wearing down the other team. Justin Dunks with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. The Friday night game between the Riders and Lions was bizarre on on so many levels. Um, I I had a BC plus six and a half ticket. The fact that that came in as one of the most legendary backdoor covers, we will never forget. But aside from the gambling side of it, which was crazy enough, um, what did you make of this? You know, Michael, I was about to call him Mike. Michael Riley starting. Then he's not starting Nathan Rourke in the bizarre interview with Rick Campbell at halftime. And then who's out starting the third quarter? And then some of the passes that he actually completed, I don't know whether we'll ever see as poorly thrown balls completed in the Canadian Football League the way that they were. I mean, I I still can't really, I'd almost need to watch that game again to believe what I saw. Agreed, man. And the easiest way to explain it all is that Mike Riley was deciding what was going on the entire way. He had been cleared by the medical team. They had shot him up a couple times from what I've been able to gather. One before the game, one at halftime. That's why he came out in the second half. And he was the one making the decisions. He literally told Nathan Rourke, the Canadian quarterback who's the backup there, and, you know, maybe the starter in the long term, that he was going to start the game after the coin toss. And then, as you mentioned, Campbell does the halftime interview, goes back to the bench. All of a sudden, Riley says, hey, I feel good to go. I'm going in the game. So, To me, it's easy. Mike Riley, Michael Riley, I should say, was driving the decisions there. Although, Huss, I would argue that they should have stuck with Rourke the entire way, no matter what. Because, number one, it shows that Campbell has control of his football team as much as he has respect for Riley. And in that second quarter, we saw Rourke settle in, throw the touchdown down the sideline to Lucky Whitehead and really start moving the ball. He kicked a field goal before halftime as well. I'm not saying he would have led the comeback. But we saw what Rourke did when he got back in in the fourth quarter. Leads another touchdown drive. Throws a dime to Brian Burnham. So let the kid play. Don't hinder his development and be jerking him around with a quarterback who came into the game hurt and didn't feel like he could take the field. 
What are the takeaways from the Riders? I mean, they were up 31 nothing and ended up barely hanging on at the end of the game. It's cliche in a way, but Craig Dickinson talked about it in their green and white scrimmage that the conditioning just flat out wasn't there and they weren't ready to play a football game. And to me, watching that second half, that's really what happened, right? They came out with so much energy, a packed house at Mosaic Stadium, you know, over 33,000 fans there, really using that to drive them in the first half, get out to that big, as you said, 31 nothing lead. But in the second half, it seems like they got to get used to playing a full 60-minute football game again because if it wasn't for some missed kicks on the BC side and the Converse as well, then easily the Lions could have came back and won that game by a point or two. No doubt about it. Uh, Justin Dunk of Three Down Nation is with us wrapping week one of the Canadian Football League schedule. We had the doubleheader in Alberta. I mean, underdogs went crazy. Underdogs were 4-0 against the spread. Underdogs were 3-1 and straight up. But um, I put it out on Twitter. There was one guy that actually parlayed Ottawa and Toronto to win and what about a grand on it sent the ticket so credit to him that is crazy um I, I well let's start with the Toronto uh, game shout out to Ryan Dinwiddie former bomber quarterback as many people have mentioned online his coaching debut ended up a little better than his quarterback debut which of course was 2007 for the bombers in that great cup um <laughs> I didn't know what to expect from Toronto. I knew they got some good players. They spent a lot of money, but this was an entirely new team with a rookie head coach, and they go in and beat the Calgary Stampeders on the road. Bo Levi was 11-0 against Toronto before. Um, How impressive was the Toronto performance, the coaching performance of Ryan Dinwiddie, and what should the Stamps take away from this home loss? First for the Argos, really impressive to go in there with an all-new coaching staff and a bunch of new players that have really just come together in one training camp and beat the Stamps, who largely kept the same coaching staff and, of course, had Bowley by Mitchell at quarterback. But to me, it shows that the Argos have come together quickly and that that talent has really come together in a fast way. And by that, I mean the NFLers, right? Shane Ray maybe didn't register a sack, definitely didn't, I should say, but the former NFL first round pick looked like he acquitted himself to the game well, and they certainly look like they're going to be difficult on both sides of the ball. Lots of playmakers on offense and the defense is stout, led by Charleston Hughes. For the Stamps on the other side, they're young. Well, Levi Mitchell admitted it after the game. He actually said, quote, they felt like they gift wrapped, close quote, the win to the Argos. So, Overall, the Stamps are young. And to be quite honest, Hustler, they normally do start the season a little bit slow, right? Even when they win, you know, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 games in a season in recent years, those first couple ones are shaky. Like, let's go all the way back to 2019. They lost the Ottawa Red Blacks in week two, and the Red Blacks finished that year three and 15. So something's up with the Stamps there starting the season slow, but I have no worries about them contending. Well, and then we went to the nightcap. Um, Edmonton was the biggest favorite of the weekend against the Ottawa Red Blacks, who everyone had penciled in to be the worst team in the league and potentially wouldn't win a game. Well, they're 1-0 right now. Credit to, and congratulations <laughs> to Paul Apolise and to Matt Nichols. Although I will say, I don't think that's the way you write up a victory throwing for, what, 70 yards? I mean, how did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> well, the stout Edmonton Elks defense, man. The Killer Bees off the edge. Kwaku Boateng and Matthew Betts were as advertised. And to be honest, a large part of it, too, was Matt Nichols not being able to push the football down the field. I believe he only had one completion over 10 15 or 20 yards in that range so to me you're gonna have to improve that going forward it was a bit of an anomaly game i'll give them credit for the win no doubt but if they can actually keep winning that's going to be the key here and to be able to do it they're going to have some 
more offensive production than like a hundred yards in a game. <laughs> well, um, what do we take from like, was Ottawa's defense way better than everyone thought or was Edmonton just not able to execute them? Um, they certainly didn't execute very well on the play that ended up flipping the game with the, which was the pick six in the fourth quarter. To me, that Ottawa defense, I felt like was going to be stout. The issue with them was going to be how much would they be on the field? Because could the offense actually move the football? Now, I wasn't worried about it. Antoine Pruno, a veteran guy proven there in the back end. Clearly, his leadership role played a part in what they were able to do against Edmonton, picking off Trevor Harris three times. Abdul Kane, veteran guy, been there, done it, has won a great cup as well. We all know that famous tackle on Andrew Buckley to help them hoist the mug. But the issues are going to be on offense. I think the defense is stout. There's some playmakers there. Avery Williams at the linebacker position. And then up front, you got some young pass rushers who I think could come into their own. Cleon Lang's a proven commodity in the middle. So the defense is solid. It's the offense. And Paul Apolis is a guru and give him credit. He's going to create chaos for the defense and move people around. People have seen that in Winnipeg for years. But there are people in the league that are questioning the talent and ultimately wondering, is Nichols' shoulder all right? Justin Dunk, a three-down nation with us here, wrapping week one of the Canadian Football League on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, so let's start, let's focus on the good. What stood out to you from a positive standpoint on the field of the first four games, J.D.? Hustler, you're going to learn this real quick if we keep talking CFL ball, that any time a Canadian quarterback plays, that's going to be my number one storyline, all right? So just so you know for the future. To Fill me, people in on the background for Nathan Rourke, by the way. Well, well, we talk about him because I think a lot of people are like, what? He's Canadian? Wow, that never happens. Exactly. So I'll give it to you as quick as I can. He was born in Victoria, moved to Oakville, played a couple of years of high school ball at Holy Trinity Catholic High School in Oakville. Then he felt like to get the NCAA offers that he wanted, he actually moved and finished his last two years of high school at Edgewood Academy in Alabama. So we're talking legit football down there. He won a state title or two, had a lot of big stats, but didn't get the offer he wanted. Went to Fort Scott Community College. Again, wasn't sure of the offers he was going to get, even though he turned that program around, had a good statistical season. Ohio University comes calling out of the MAC, hashtag MACTION, and he becomes a three-year starter there, leads them to three straight bowl victories, has a career that statistically was one of the best, if not the best, in Ohio Bobcats history in terms of throwing the football and rushing the football for a quarterback. Then he gets selected in the second round by the BC Lions of the 2020 draft, sits out the year, obviously, because the season was canceled. The New York Giants in the spring bring him in for a workout, a look-see as a receiver, maybe a slash guy, kind of like a Taysom Hill. Doesn't end up getting a contract, but gets some positive reviews from the Giants. And then all he does is go to CFL training camp with the Lions, learn the offense quickly enough to go out in his debut and throw two touchdowns and did not look phased at all. So to me, that's why it's the number one storyline, because we talk about it all the time in the league. Well, can we see a Canadian quarterback or do they need to be given a chance? Like, I'm not saying he should be in the game over Michael Riley when he's healthy. But clearly, Rourke right now is the better option. And for the future of the league, they should be crossing their fingers and their toes and looking up to the heavens, hoping that Rourke can can become a superstar. You know, just while we're on the topic of Canadian quarterbacks, and you know, you mentioned as one, and you know, as someone that is very close to your heart. I mean, there's been all sorts of you know discussions about what the CFL could do to help promote Canadians at that quarterback position. Um, if you were Randy Ambrosi. What, what what steps might you take to um, 
you know, help us maybe get a few more Nathan Rourke's uh, out there on the field in CFL games? It's simple. First of all, I wouldn't want to have to mandate anything, but it's clear that you do. I think there's inherent bias, especially from the American coaches that the Canadian quarterbacks are just not good enough. I would argue that until the day is long or whatever cliche you want to throw in there, that if you put, let's say, for example, right now, Adam Sinagra, who was a star at the University of Calgary, won the Heck Crichton Trophy, led the University of Calgary Dinos to the 2019 Vanier Cup against any rookie American quarterback that wants to come up here from the NCAA, that Sinagra off the jump would be better because he understands the game. He understands the 12th man on the field. He knows what it's like to make the throws on a wider field. So overall, to me, I wish that there didn't have to be anything mandated. That said, I think there needs to be, and it's simple. Make every team carry a Canadian quarterback. I don't care how you want to designate him. He doesn't even have to be on the active roster. Pay him the minimum salary at least, or, you know, the teams can pay them more if they want to, if they covet a player and have them be developed. So really $65,000 per team. I think that's easily worth it to be developing a Canadian quarterback and potentially have not just a start, but a superstar. If Nathan Rohr becomes a starting caliber quarterback and is in the mix every year to win the Grey Cup and win the MOP, there will be all kinds of people that pay attention. Justin Dunks with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Justin, what were they? Uh, what are they saying in Hamilton about uh, about game number one? People pretty fired up about what the Winnipeg Blue Bombers were able to do, but I imagine that wasn't quite what uh, Orlando Stanhire and uh, everyone, both in the organization and fans, were expecting to see after uh, you know eighteen plus months to chew on what happened in Calgary and uh, putting up only six on the board in the opener. Yeah, there was a little concern, let's say, among Tiger Cats fans in Hamilton, where I actually am right now. And there were people even on social media or people that reached out to me saying, well, why didn't they at least warm up Dane Evans on the sidelines? Why didn't they put Dane Evans in the game? To be quite honest, that would have been completely unfair to Jeremiah Masoli to do that. He was given a couple of young tackles there on the outside, both making just their second career starts. The only other starts that they had was back in 2019, the last week of the season against the Argos in a game that meant nothing because the Ticats had already clinched the East Division with that 15-3 and record. So overall, to me, there is a question there of can the Ticats be a more physical football team, Hustler? Because the last two times we've seen them play, and yes, it's both been against the Bombers, the Bombers have just physically beat them up. The entire game and especially the offensive line. Now, the Tigers were able to score on that first drive, but largely because they went up tempo and I think caught Winnipeg off guard there. So there are some questions about can the Ticats meet that level of physicality? I don't think there's any questions about them contending in the East because of how the Red Blacks look and even the Alouettes have some holes. The Argos could give them a legitimate push, but they got to figure out how to raise that level of physicality. And when they get punched in the mouth, they got to punch back and deliver a knockout blow, especially if they face the Bombers again. You know, and, and as far as the Bombers go on defense, I mean, the, the one question I had, and I think a lot of people had, was, you know, the defensive secondary. When you lose sales and you lose Rose from a championship team, you know, you know the linebackers are going to be there. You know, Willie Jefferson's back, but that still is a lot of pressure in this in the three-down game. I mean, Alfred Nichols, I mean, how impressed were you with these uh, young men making their first CFL starts and the way they acquitted themselves against a very good Hamilton team? 
that certainly did stand out from that game because the questions in the secondary were there. And you have the likes of a Brandon Banks, a Jalen Acklin who can make acrobatic catches, Jalen Marshall, who was in the lineup for an injured Braylon Addison. You have some targets there that have proven. Obviously, the reigning CFL MLP is Speedy B, and they largely held him in check. Now, I was talking to some people around the league, and they said, hey, the book's out on the Ticats. It's easy. Get up and press them. Be physical with those receivers. And then obviously, you know, let your front four, if you can, get after the quarterback. Easy for Winnipeg to do because of those bookends that they have with Jeff Coat and uh, Jackson Jeffcoat and Willie Jefferson. But the fact that the back end held up as well as it did, especially in contested situations, has to be a positive for Mike O'Shea and his group going forward. Justin, the one team we didn't see this week is the Montreal Alouettes. Um, what, where are they right now coming into this season? Um, and what are your expectations for Montreal? Will they be a contender in the East? There are some people that will wonder, well, can Vernon Adams Jr. put another season together? And can he be consistent? Hustler, because we've seen it in the past where he can look great on one play, but on the next play, he's running around and throws an ill-advised pick. So he has to show that he can be more consistent. But certainly the Owls seem like they can be in contention in the East for at least a playoff spot, if not more. They have weapons there. Geno Lewis, Quan Bray, probably talk top among them. BJ Cunningham as well. William Stanbeck arguably is the best running back in the league. And I don't think got a fair shot in the NFL, but nonetheless, he's with the Owls. And then on defense... They finally get a proven pass rusher off the edge that's younger. John Bowman moves on. They bring Nick Usher in there. They have Almondo Sewell, who's still an absolute beast. I don't care what age he is. But to me, you look at linebacker. How can they replace Enoch Mwamba in the middle? I think he was an invaluable presence, and probably they should have re-signed him. They elected to not. And there's some questions in the secondary as well. You have a Greg Reed, who was all-star caliber in 2019. But to me, that's where I start to get a little bit worried is that other defensive line spots other than Usher and Sewell and also at middle linebacker and some of the spots in the secondary and even on the offensive line as well. They lose Trey Rutherford to retirement. He's moved on to be a police officer. And that guy was about to become one of the best, if not the best interior Canadian offensive lineman. Check that even offensive lineman in the league. And they didn't find a way to replace him. You're not going to be able to do that, but that gives me cause for concern when they're trying to protect Vernon Adams Jr. It sets up a very interesting matchup on um, Saturday afternoon in Edmonton in that the Montreal Alouettes haven't played a game. They go in to play Edmonton, who did play one and are probably still wondering how the hell they lost uh, to the Ottawa <laughs> Red Blacks in the fashion that they did. Yeah. I mean, something we shouldn't joke about is a COVID situation that they had there, right? Two players tested positive. Brian Walker, the linebacker, and Sir Vincent Rogers, as we first reported on Three Down Nation, tested positive as well last week. So they were dealing with those issues. They didn't have their walkthroughs. I'm sure their meetings were affected. There was no media availability, which I'm sure they were actually happy to miss. But overall, there were some things going on behind the scenes there that I don't think anyone's really giving any light to or saying, you know, this might have been a reason why they lost. Now, the players won't use it as an excuse, but – that's got to be a little jarring when a couple of your teammates test positive in week one of the season, just before your first game on the heels of when the CFL have enacted a policy that if you're not over that 85% vaccination rate and an outbreak happens, you don't get paid. So I think that hasn't been talked about literally at all as part of the reason why maybe Edmonton wasn't in the best headspace going in that game. Hey, speaking of that numbers, I mean, I, I, I'm, not sure if anyone knows this, but if anyone does, it would be you. How many teams are at that level? I mean, where how are the CFL teams doing with vaccinations? Are there any that are in, you know, a more precarious position than others? 
there's three teams over that level. We're not exactly sure who they are yet. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders, as of last week, Craig Dickinson said the Riders were not one of those teams, but he felt like they would get there fairly quickly. The Lions have come out and said that they use training camp and Kamloops to get a lot of players vaccinated because obviously everyone was there and the public health system that we have in Canada will allow that. So the lowest team was at 67%, and there were some other teams that were getting close to that 85% number. So it's trending in that direction. You already have three over, and I would imagine there's a few others that are really close. So it's hard to say when that exactly is going to happen, but that's how the numbers look like right now. Uh, JD, what are you and our pal John Hodge have cooking up this weekend, heading into week two over at Three Down Nation? All right, my man. So I'm going to tease a new weekly feature that we're going to have called the MLP race. So everyone does power rankings. You know, that's tried and tested and true. Yeah, it works. People get mad at lists and they get mad where you rank their favorite team. Of course, you know how that works, Hustler. But what we're going to do is literally every single week, essentially like the Heisman watch, we are going to rank who we feel like are the leading candidates for the MOP award. So we're going to do it with nine players, but we're not going to make it team specific because ultimately at the end of the year, you have nine candidates that come from nine different teams. But in my mind, those aren't necessarily set until the end of the year. So the MOP race will come out tomorrow as well. And then also I've been working on the TV ratings piece from week one. I can give you a little tease on that, that the ratings for the opening game of the 2021 season compared to the 2019 season, we're up. Well, and that is, and I saw our pal Adam Seaborn tweeting about that on the weekend. And just before we go, um, I mean, that's a significant, a, a significant announcement in that it doesn't matter what sport. I mean, if you look at what's happened to TV numbers over the course of the past two years, everything is down a- across the board. So for the CFL to come back and have a better number than they did two years ago, I think it certainly shows you the core following that the Canadian Football League has. But also, there still is an appetite to watch this. And that can't be anything but good news for the folks in the CFL office, I'd imagine. It definitely is. And I remember during the pandemic, Hustler, and I'm sure you do too, that everyone was talking about the NBA bubble and them getting back to play or even the NHL bubbles and saying, oh, these ratings are going to go crazy because people are at home and there's nothing else to do, you know, especially in Canada with our love for hockey. But as you mentioned, those numbers were down year over year. So the fact that the CFL has come back and at least in week one for that season opener, I'm waiting for the other ratings to come in to compare them also to week one overall. But the fact that that game was up you know, just over 30% from 2019, considering also that game in 2019 had the Riders playing in it, which generally draws a bigger TV audience. If you remember, it was Riders Tie Cats in 2019 in week one. So this time you have Tie Cats Bombers, and they outdid that rating by 30%. Certainly a major positive for the CFL. Well, great stuff. I'll look forward to uh, everything you guys have cooking over to Three Down Nation this weekend. And I can't wait for the games and can't wait to have you back again sometime, JD. Thanks so much for doing this. You bet, Hustler. May the winners continue to be yours, buddy. Yeah, there he is <laughs> at JDunk12 and uh, Three Down Nation is the website. It was great to have John Hodge with us on last week. And certainly Justin just does a phenomenal job. And it is a must, must read for all CFL fans. Speaking of power polls, we've got one coming up for you in just a second. I think you're going to like it. Uh, before that, do want to thank our friends at Little Brown Jug Brewing for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, I'm sure many of you had an ice cold 1919 or maybe dipped into that summer variety pack on the weekend. You can still get your uh, delicious Little Brown Jug delivered straight to your home 
easily hit the website. It's never been easier to get Little Brown Jug delivered right to you. Order by 4 o'clock for same-day delivery in the city of Winnipeg. It's all there at Little Brown Jug. And check their events page, too. They had live music and a DJ on the weekend out at the Tap House on William Avenue on the patio. I know they've got an opera event happening next Wednesday for those of you that might be interested in. Uh, and it's certainly a great place to meet up with some friends and have a few great beers down at Little Brown, Jury, uh, Little Brown Jug Brewing on William Avenue. Or uh, you can grab your 1919s or that summer variety pack, including the Hefeweizen and the Summer Lager at your local beer or bottle shop in and around the province of Manitoba. Assiniboia Downs is back live racing tonight. Man, this might be the first time all season that Darren Dunn and the gang have a wet track. We'll see what that means coming up tonight. They go to post at 7.30. You can pop down if you're fully vaccinated. 50% capacity on the main level as well as outside. And if you do want to make a reservation in the Terrace Dining Room, you can do that as well. VLT's open daily, 9 a.m. to 12.15 a.m. Remus and I will get to our picks for today's races a little bit later on. And uh, what a crazy, crazy finish yesterday at on the PGA Tour at the WGC Memphis St. Jude. Harris English and Bryson DeChambeau cruising. Both of them blew up. It allowed Hideki Matsuyama to shoot a 63 to get into a playoff, along with Sam Burns. And uh, Abraham Anser, who ended up winning the playoff and gets his first official PGA Tour win. Uh, and I know our folks over at Breezy Bend were uh, probably paying attention to that on the 19th hole after a great round. Course looking great. This rain will help Breezy as well as many of the courses around. Got that sod on the newly redone sixth hole. After thinking about a great spot for you and your family to golf next year, find out more at breezybend.ca. Our giver pal Corey Johnson a call over at Breezy Bend, and we'll hopefully see you there next year. All right, we'll get to cool bet lines a little bit later on. Uh, great stuff with Justin Dunk and JD Bunkus. Let's get Remus back in here. Uh, Remo, I know you've got some takes on the uh, CFL season, and we spent a lot of time talking Jays and the hockey news right off the top of the bat, but uh, it was a wild, wild weekend to start off the three down game for the year. You know, we talked so much about how, well, we don't really know anything going in. But what we do know is that we probably should have just hammered every underdog last week because you would have went 4-0. and Yeah, great conversation with uh, Justin. I was super fired up for the start of the CFL season, just talking uh, fantasy with some guys in chat. But, yeah, we had I, I was on the Bombers. I thought they, they could win. That wasn't that wasn't surprising. Maybe it was surprising that Hamilton and Brandon Banks couldn't really do anything they had the one drive for a score and and that was it I think that was how you know how much they couldn't score and they got a, a tough matchup against Saskatchewan um the BC with the BC Saskatchewan <laughs> game was so bizarre with Mike Riley he didn't start and then you, he was you heard he his elbow was hurting and then he came in the game and you could tell he couldn't throw the ball but he kept completing passes and they almost how, came I have back. no idea those were the worst passes ever thrown in the CFL that were completed. Yeah, I, and it just kept happening. I well, mean, I, I I still have no idea about it. And just to your point about Riley going in, I mean, Rick Campbell literally was on with Farhan Lalji saying, yeah, this happened. Well, we're going to take it easy. If you can't play, you can't play. Nathan's our guy. And then they literally moved to the screenshot and 13's behind center yeah. taking the snaps for BC. I mean, I, I don't remember a situation like that. The one thing that it did sort of remind me of 
was the Chargers Chiefs game last year in week number two, where Tyrod Taylor was the starting quarterback. He got shot up before the game. The doctors apparently like punctured his lung or something like that. And literally 15 seconds before the first play, they told Herbert that he was going in. And there's a famous story. He gets into the, the, the huddle and Hunter Henry, the tight end, looks over at him and says, what the hell are you doing here? Um, it was that short of a decision. And it sort of sounded like that was what happened with Riley saying, I just can't go at the beginning of the uh, beginning of the game. And, you know, they got way down 31 nothing. But the combination of Rourke, Riley and then Rourke again certainly made a game for it. It was uh, it, it wasn't close in the way that we thought it would be, but um, it ended up being a pretty exciting finish. It seems to be par for the course in the Canadian Football League. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too, with the Tyrod Taylor. I remember, you know, for fantasy, if you had Tyrod, I mean, he was literally right before. And I know that a lot of people were saying, ah, oh, CFL wants to partner with betting. They want people to gamble. They don't even announce uh, the quarterback is. So I'm not really sure, you know, the real story but it was weird when rick campbell in that halftime interview was like yeah we're gonna rest mike riley do what's best for him and then he came in the game and played great i don't want to say played great he completed a lot of passes that looked horrible and i like credit to you know as i see a former bomber actually lucky whitehead has making a huge impact there uh made a house call and got him looking, on the board he was looking pretty good but so that game was entertaining i think saskatchewan's um i'm pretty good although the second half they totally shut it down. They couldn't do anything in the second half. So I'm not sure if that was just like they, you know, thought the game was done and stopped playing or they're not as good as they showed in the first half. Who knows? Uh, Toronto, I like McLeod Bethel Thompson. He can throw for a lot of yards. Maybe he's prone to make a mistake. But uh, they, you know, they took on and beat Calgary. And I think Calgary's kind of fallen off. You saw Bo, you know, trouble gelling. He's got a lot of new receivers. I think some of them are talented. I like Josh Huff. Um, Kamar Jordan is healthy, and and he had a pretty good game. Maybe Calgary. I think they're going to be good, but I mean the days of them running away with the division. Uh, I think that's behind them. I think it is it is the Bombers as the clear as the clear favorite. And you know, Justin was talking about power rankings. We did power rankings. They're on our Instagram page, so it's in the description. Give us give us a like here. I'll bring them right up once. Yeah, I... let's get up. Let 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 let's bring up the the official week one post week one. Canadian Football League power poll here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Position number one is held down by the defending Grey Cup champion, Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Bombers at number one. Positions two through nine is everybody else. And that's it. The Bombers. I, I mean, all joking aside, Remo, I mean, this, they, I think, really did make a statement that they are uh, back they are still the champs, and uh, like we said on Friday, if you want to be the man, you got to beat the man, and Hamilton couldn't do it, and uh, they're going to be a tough out this year, but we do know that as champs and starting the way they did, everyone is going to be coming for Winnipeg, and it'll be Ryan Dinwiddie getting his opportunity to go 2-0 and Friday night here in Winnipeg as the 1-0 Argos take on the 1-0 Blue Bombers. We'll give the Argos maybe closer to 2 than closer to 9 after their big win, but as I said, it's Bombers and then everybody else. Yeah, I agree. Bombers, clear favorites. I mean, Hamilton's supposed to have this incredible dynamic offense, and they managed one touchdown against the Bombers. And uh, I was, again, uh, Brandon Banks, who seems to destroy the Bombers every time. They kind of figured out a way to stop him. And I uh, keep you know thinking about Milt Stiegel, who was on on Thursday, was saying, you know, think of what how many yards Kenny Lawler had last season in 2019. 
mm-hmm. and double that because that's what he's going to do this year. And he got off to a great start uh, with two touchdowns uh, from Zach Caleras, who, you know, who's, again, you talk about line play, the Bombers' D-line and O-line, pretty elite. And you give Colorado's time, you watch him do his little scramble thing, he goes one way, spins another, um, and it seemed to work out. So uh, I really, you have to really be excited about the Bombers, and I would definitely put them at number one. Uh, maybe Saskatchewan too. I think Ed, the one, t- the biggest disappointment had to be Edmonton. Oh, you not guys, even close. I couldn't stop thinking about you and Dusty. Oh yeah, Trevor Harris, he's gonna lead the league. And passing yards, he actually did have a lot of yards. Thankfully, you know, interceptions don't give you like minus yards because <laughs> there's, I had him in fantasy. I was pumped when he threw that pick six because you just get the ball back right after. But I don't know um, what happened to them. They couldn't, they had trouble moving the ball until the last drive when they finally realized Greg Ellingson was on the team and they, he's one of the top receivers in the league and he can throw, he can throw. But um, I think it'll be better for Edmonton. Wilder looked very good. Um, Darrell Walker looked good. So they they had some guys shout out to Shy Ross. Uh it wasn't Duncan Oreos, but he's making making well, some plays there. He Although was there making was that plays. Inter- yeah, there was yeah. the one the one interception <laughs> I think you can give on him. But well it, but you know that wasn't all him. I mean, that was a poor ball by Trevor Harris. I mean, mm-hmm. he threw it into a very awkward area where he sort of had to reach and you know, he unfortunately for the S the Elks tipped it up and um the Red Blacks took it back, you know, 90-whatever yards to the house, and that ended up being the winning touchdown. Um, I was pumped for Lapo and Nichols to get the first win. I do think after watching that game, I think it's going to be a long season for them, especially offensively. Um, but for Lapalese to get that win, Matt Nichols to get a W, I know there was a lot of people here in Winnipeg that were quite happy about that. Hey, congrats to Joey Panks as well as David Carpenter, who both cashed in on Abe Answer. 50 to 1 for Dave, and that uh, Joey was in there as well. I saw him doing a, a thank you tweet to our pal Jeff Feinberg uh, coming up. You know what, Remo, just on that before we get back to the CFL on that playoff, I got a text from Feinberg, and I don't know how he even thought to do this, but he yesterday morning, I want to say Hideki was seven or eight shots back of the lead, and Feinberg put 25 on Hideki at 300 to 1. And so in the first playoff hole, Matsuyama had a putt to win that barely lipped out. I don't know how it went out. That was a $7,500 putt for Feinberg. (laughs) And then had to watch a decky miss on the next hole. Uh, I guess you can't win big if you don't swing for the fences. I couldn't believe he had the stones to even make that. But you want to talk about a heartbreaking bad beat? That putt, uh, I literally fell to the floor when I saw that one go in and out because I knew what was on the line. Oh, a $7,500 putt? That's pretty bad. I don't think I've had a... 300 be- to 1. Yeah, I don't think I've had anything that, that close. So he seemed to have a lot of winners, so I'm sure, I'm sure Feinberg will find a way to bounce back. Well, he will. Um, and speaking of winners, uh, we got to give a shout-out to uh, my pal D. David Lowe who was the winner of our first WST CFL DraftKings contest. And I'm just pulling up the results here. I know Dave won on the final. And then speaking of Panks, it was a good weekend for Joey Pankyu because he came in at second. I took down third. AZ Mitch, Mitch WHT, took fourth. And Loudon CA took fifth. So uh, congratulations to everyone. 
and Reem, and this is, and if people hadn't played the CFL DraftKings before, the final four plays in the final game, the Edmonton Ottawa, I think I went from sixth to first to third to second back to third in the last four plays. I mean, there was something happening on each and every one. Everybody had a piece of some of the guys. It was an absolutely thrilling way to finish week one for our first ever of the season DraftKings contest. Well, they made um, they made that uh, here. I can pull it up here. Uh, yes, there's the winner. D. Devil. Who do you have? Calaris, Wilder, Kyron Moore was a pretty good pick. Not a lot of people had him. Dembski, Darrell Walker had a good game. Ellingson it was probably the Ellingson making making all those catches on the final drive. Probably put him That's over exactly the top. Exactly what happened. And I know a call, I didn't have Ellingson. I had some other lineups in some other contests, and it put me uh, it put me down a bit. So. Uh, that was definitely exciting. They had the chance there at the end too, Edmonton, like right on the goal line uh, to complete, I don't want to say the comeback, but to uh, defeat Ottawa and Ottawa. And a lot of people in chat saying, you know, Matt Nichols, what, 70 yards? At least, I don't know if he still has a shoulder injury, but he can't really throw the ball downfield. You know, we're talking about uh, Mike Riley as well, having issues throwing. We'll have to keep an eye on Ottawa, but, you know, good for them. A couple, another former bomber, Timothy Flanders, uh, carrying the rock. I, I love seeing him back in the league. I thought he was pretty good. With Winnipeg, he could catch the ball, he could run, and uh, he's back uh, making stuff happen for Ottawa, who we thought was going to be terrible, but they started off with, a, that was the surprise of the week, because I saw everyone on Twitter saying, oh, Edmonton's going to score 40 points, they're going to win, oh. we we had the spread, what did we say the spread were, over seven, and they they lost outright. Well, yeah, that's well, a huge, huge disappointment for him. Keep in mind, keep in mind, they had the ball in the 12-yard line, up three, ready to go up ten, and then a pick six completely flipped that game. So, I mean, I'm not completely out on the Elks. <clears throat> I think their defense is good. I imagine their offense will get a lot better. And we'll see what we get at Ottawa. I mean, maybe their defense is really good. And, you know, keep them in games. But you're not going to win a lot of games in the Canadian Football League passing for 70 yards. So I'll just, uh, I'll just say that. Uh, oh, T. Kona Pauly, huh? shout out to Transcona's own Zach Williams making a start on the Stamps O-line. Always great to see you when some local guys get in there. And yes, Tico Napoli, the Elks burnt my fantasy. They burnt a lot of people, a lot of people last week. Uh, but again, it was week one. We knew that it was going to be done. And uh, oh, there's Tico Napoli matching and raising Taylor Yule and making myself official VP of the Logan Stanley Club with the Prez approval. Great to see. Great to see the Logan Stanley Appreciation Society growing in the chat every day here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. All right, Remo, uh, let's get to the cool bet lines. As J.D. Bunkus mentioned, this is sort of a very lean day for wagering. The Jays aren't even playing. They're traveling out to the West Coast. We've got five games on the slate. And for some reason, the Yankees-Royals game has no um, no money line on it right now. You can only bet on the run line. Yankees minus one and a half and minus 118. Um, Cincinnati is a favorite over the Indians. Milwaukee, a big favorite over the Cubs, who traded their basically their entire team. Same case for the White Sox, minus 200 in Minnesota to take on the Twins. And the Padres later on, minus 270. So some big, big heavy favorites right now on the Marlins. That's uh, checking out the um, World Series winner. If you do like the Blue Jays' chances of maybe going on a bit of a special run, still a pretty good number on the Jays. 27 to 1 right now on Cool Bet. <clears throat> and of course, just three games out of the wild card. 
me three games out of the wild card. So um, 27 to one kind of might be fun to see if they can go on a bit of a road. I'll tell you what, Remus, if the Jays do get into the playoffs with the arms they have now in the starting rotation, bullpen still concerns me. But with that lineup, uh, they'd be a scary team for anybody to play in the postseason if they can get there. Yes, I, I absolutely agree. I know uh, B.A. was telling me he bet on the Blue Jays and they're three and a half back. Um I don't know. I think that's actually not, I mean, could be some good, good Val. So if you are in on the Blue Jays, why not take a shot? World Series winner. There it is. Plus 2,700. Might be worth have some fun. Give you something to, to cheer about. Absolutely. All in on all the Jays games going forward. Uh, and as far as CFL futures, not a lot of movement. Um, despite the Bombers beating the Ticats in the first game of the season, Hamilton's still the favorite, plus 375. Bombers, plus 425 as the top-ranked team in the West. Saskatchewan, plus 550. Calgary and Toronto, 7-1. to I have to say, the team that probably improved their, um, at least the, the general consensus on the squad this weekend had to be Toronto, Remus. I mean, that was a very impressive performance by MVT, McLeod Bethel-Thompson. We know they've got Arbuckle there as well. Um, and a lot of those big off-season acquisitions made made a significant contribution. And then, of course, uh, former Bomber quarterback Ryan Dinwiddie gets his first mm-hmm. head coaching win on the sidelines for the double blue. Yeah, just look at the receivers for, um, for Toronto. Uh, Eric Rogers from Calgary. Former Stampeder, Devers Daniels, uh, Ricky Collins Jr. out of nowhere, making a big impact. So I think Toronto, they got an offense. We'll see it here on Friday. I think a bit bit of a different test maybe with the Bombers, O-lines, and D-lines. But uh, Toronto, they've been pretty terrible for the last bit, but they seem to be maybe on the upswing, especially with MBT. I know a lot of people were saying that he should have started more games for them in 2019. Um he he didn't, but I mean the guy can chuck it, and uh, he did help me in uh, in a couple fantasy lineups well, too. Big so. time! I mean that was the thing last year, um, and I remember that game against the Bombers when he went absolutely off on Winnipeg. I was sort of mm-hmm. right when the Bombers had that little lull, then they got it together and went forward. And you know, obviously, we all know how it ended after Zach Caleros went in as the starting quarterback, and the team won that championship. Um, but yes, overall. It was a great week in the Canadian Football League and uh, very much looking forward to getting into week two. Get your tickets if you haven't already. Friday night, IG Field, Bombers and Argonauts, a battle of 1-0 teams. Um, It should be great. I know anyone that was at the game on Thursday knows what an incredible atmosphere it was. Hopefully we'll have another gorgeous night and another great game to kick off a beautiful summer weekend in southern Manitoba with uh, 25 or 30,000 of our closest friends out there at IG Field. Um, we also are going to, uh, well, we should actually do this right now, Remo. Let's get ready for the track. Have you uh, have you selected your, uh, made your selections yet so far for what we've got going on tonight at Assiniboia Downs? Uh, reluctantly, I haven't been, I haven't been winning, but uh, I have the selections. And uh, I was up a lot. Everyone knows I was up. I was beating you. And now I'm slightly down, but closer to even. So, well, you're still beating me. Trust me on that. I, I need I need a couple more big ones, like I had last week with the Derby and whatnot, to uh, to get in uh, cashing. But there's been positive momentum, and that's why I'm very excited for tonight's slate. Uh, who are you going with? 
I'm pulling up my selections here. Let me go to the HPI bet. Here we go. There it is. Uh, I got the Cinnaboy Downs. Okay, I'm doing four Quinellas today. The four $5 Quinellas, first and second. We will start with race three, horse one, and horse two. Harry, keep the change. I don't know if that's like from Home Alone, keep the change a filthy animal, but <laughs> and I'm going with two. Yes, it's me, Johnny G. And race four, I like five and three. So happy Harley and wire me the money. Hopefully they're wiring me the money after I cash this ticket. <laughs> hey And then race four. I'm oh, sorry, that was race four. I'm going to race six now. My bad. Race six, I like horse four and five shooting money. Any horse that has money in the name, you know it's an instant winner when you bet on shooting money. <laughs> and uh, Quincy Express. And the last one, race seven, I got horse five and six, Wits, Hurricane, and Dust Roller. So those are my selections for tonight. I've been on a losing streak. Maybe, I think one of them, I hope one of them will cash. There you go. I had my best week in a long time last week. We will hopefully keep it going. Uh, race number two, I'm going to put a uh, couple bucks on number two, Orange Theory, to win. And we're going to do a two, three, five triactor box on the $1, so that's a $6 bet. Moving on to race number three, we're going to take number two, Yes, It's Me, Johnny G. Take number three to win. We're going to move on to race number four. And we're going with a 3-4 Quinella, Happy Harley, and we need VLTs, please. <laughs> Couldn't not bet that horse with the uh, with the casino back open and the VLTs on again. Happy Harley, we'll need VLTs, 3-4 Quinella. And then I'm going to go to race six like you did, but I'm actually on two very different horses. I'm going with number one, Docs Class Act, and number three, Tapmaster for the quinella um so we'll get those in we make the bets over there you can see it on the screen at hpibet.com um but the best thing about it is now is you don't even need to use hpibet.com because you can do it in person by heading down to a cinnaboy downs tonight and make sure you've got your vaccination proof and uh, you'll be good to go and uh, looking forward to it probably maybe next week, maybe say Tuesday, Wednesday, depending on what the schedules look like, probably get out there and we'll invite all of you to come and join us, have a few and hopefully win uh, a few tickets. Um, Remo, it's been an awesome show. I am, you know, I'm sort of disappointed that there's no Blue Jays game tonight. I mean, coming out of that weekend, I think there's going to be withdrawal for a lot of people that, uh, that got into it. Um, and especially now that the Olympics are over, I know there was a lot of talk about, oh, the Olympics shouldn't be, uh, you know, shouldn't happen. Um, you know, you heard from so many of the athletes how thankful they were for the opportunity to compete. And got to tell you, um, the takeaways from the Olympics is that we're doing a lot of great things here in Canada, producing champions. Another gold medal yesterday in the sprint. A girl who was at University of Alberta soccer player four years ago and had never been on the bike. Uh, and, of course, the entire country still glowing from the uh, women's big gold medal victory on uh, on Friday. Uh, overall, for Team Canada, the only thing that was missing were fans and friends and family supporting the athletes. But the nation was here, and uh, man, did our Canadian athletes step up and get it done. 
Yeah, what an exciting uh, two weeks. Uh, watched a lot of it. I'm going to have to figure out like new plans now when the evening was great. You no, know, normally my wife and I are arguing about which TV show to watch. And now, and for those two weeks, uh, our, our plans were predetermined. No arguments in the household. So uh, you just, you know, sit down, put it on. There'll always be something on any time of the day. Uh, we had amazing coverage here in Canada. I know we spoke with Sean Fitzgerald on Friday. Yeah who, um, you know, covered that for The Athletic, but literally CBC 24-7, and on their app, you could watch any event, you could watch the replay at any time. Uh, we are very lucky to have um, to have such good coverage, because I know in the United States, many fans were very frustrated with NBC's coverage, um, so... Oh, uh, it was, it was, it a was great terrible. Teams. It was terrible. Hey, you know what? I, I Just before we finish up, I want to read an email that we got from a listener. And I hope Ken Hilton is listening right now because this was just so nice to hear. Um, and, and I think echoes a lot of people that maybe didn't know where we were, but that have found Winnipeg Sports Talk lately. Here's what Ken sent in. I feel like I've been wandering around in a bleak and endless desert into which I was suddenly dropped last February when Ma Bell played such a really dirty, unforgivable trick on all of us. But especially on you folks who were their faces on TSN 1290. I'm an older guy, 85, and a bit of a techno dinosaur. And so it has taken me a while to get the bearings which have enabled me to actually be listening to Winnipeg Sports Talk Radio through Amazon Music. It is as if I have found an oasis in the middle of the desert. It's wonderful to hear your voices and listen to the sports news that is relevant for so many of us. Thank you for picking up the pieces and getting this show on the road from Ken Hilton. Ken, cannot thank you enough for that. And we also got a great one um, on the YouTube channel uh, over the course of the weekend from the incredible Hey, just seeing this today. I honestly think this will turn out to be a blessing in disguise as far as replacing the 1290 all sports format. Um, it is a little bit different. We're not on the AM radio dial, but I think the one thing that we found, I mean, uh, many people, we hear it all the time, actually prefer this format better. They can listen on demand. They know what's going to be there each and every day. But I got to tell you, that email from Ken, um, and because we were concerned that some of our older listeners, you know, just might not get to us as to where we are right now but it seems like day by day people that were wondering where we're at are finding us right now and you know we do have to give a big uh, sense of gratitude as well to so many of the people especially the regulars that are with us here on youtube every day as well as the podcast listeners for continuing to uh, to spread the word and let people know that daily sports talk is still alive and well here in winnipeg yeah there are it amazes me, but I know that there are people out there that don't know that we are here. So we do appreciate those emails and the YouTube comments from everyone. I do have to follow up with Ken. He asked some some other questions, but I think there was maybe a bit of a learning curve at the start. But now that we're up and running, we have the chat here very lively every day. I think that, um, yes, I think that there are definitely, you know, this, you can make a, a positive out of what was a negative. And I think this is going to be very exciting. And sometimes we have to think, us. we are literally just getting started. We are only five months in. Yeah. And um, and look, we haven't even had a full jet season. We did experience some incredible highs with the playoffs. But I think a lot of people very excited. You know, I'm out, now that I'm out on a boat, people are asking me about the Jets. And uh, I think you have to be excited. Look, about their offseason, they saw, they saw a need and they definitely addressed it. Now you did lose 
Brossois and Perot, but you hope your young guys can step up. And I think we'll wait and we'll wait and see on the back of on the back of goalie. But I mean, the back of goalie for the Jets never played never played that much, anyways. But I think it is an important position, especially in case of injury. But uh, again, the point here is, you know, people didn't know that we were, we were here, and they are now finding us and letting us know. And even five months in, there are still people out there, which is why I know people who have uh, bought some of our merch, whether it's a koozie, a mug, a shirt, hoodie you know, wearing it out and other people saying, hey, Winnipeg Sports Talk, what is that? And they're like, oh, really? I, I didn't know that because I think people do want to know the information about the Bombers that we're talking about and the Jets, most importantly, and the other Winnipeg we've talked to, Gold Eyes. I know we'll be getting into uh, Ice as they go. Uh, Valor, for sure, you know, we, we do touch on, but, you know, we're very, very Jet. We can ag- agree that the Jets are the ones that, um, that do, we can see from the numbers, drive a lot of the traffic, but we do try to touch it all and touch on all the league's as a whole as well. Yeah, you know what? Um, there's a plenty of time for us to hit all of it. We'll always focus in first and foremost on our Winnipeg teams. But like today with J.D. Bunkus, everyone's talking about the Blue Jays. I think the entire country is excited about it. And I think that's just going to ramp up now that the Olympics is over after two weeks of everyone focusing on Tokyo to realize, oh, my God, the Blue Jays won 9 of 11 at home, are knocking on the door of the wild card, added burials from the Minnesota Twins, and have the most fun, exciting young lineup in the major league. So um, we'll be talking Jays. We'll certainly be all over the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And as we mentioned off the top of the show, the focus for Winnipeg Jet fans this week is the Neil Pionk contract arbitration date set for Friday. I think everybody hopes that it doesn't get there and the Winnipeg Jets and Neil Pionk can figure out a deal, hopefully long-term, to keep the Minnesota native here in the peg for a long time after two great seasons uh, here in Winnipeg after the Jacob Truba trade. All right, gang. Well, tomorrow should be a fun show. Uh, We'll have the latest on the Jets. We'll hit the Bombers. Manny Arsenal, longtime CFL star, is going to join us. And uh, coming up a little later on this week, more. Actually, maybe we'll hook up and see if we can get one of the guys in the Bombers to join us over the next couple of days. Might be a good time to catch up with the club. Back at practice today, we can tell you there was no Andrew Harris. There was no Darvin Adams, no Josh Johnson, and no Patty Newfeld. Um, hopefully, Newfeld won't be a big, big part of that offensive line. And you know, we'll see what uh, Johnson's status going forward. Uh, and as far as Andrew Harris and Darvin Adams... Those will be the big names we'll be watching Remo heading in. Certainly, Darvin Adams, I think, is very difficult to replace. I mean, he is the deep threat for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. The guys like Kenny Lawler and Dembski certainly stepped up in his absence. But to have all those guys together, I think, gives Zach Caleros that much more. Uh, As far as Andrew Harris goes, um, there's only one guy in the backfield. And the one thing that we can take away from the performance of Brady Oliveira on Thursday is that the Bombers are in pretty good hands if their longtime all-star running back can't go for the next little while. Yeah, Brady Oliver, he got off to a, a bit of a slow start, Huss. But in that second half, he really helped uh, ice the game. And he kept going hard. And you could see how worn down Hamilton defense was. So I, you know, we weren't sure coming into the game if it was going to be a time split because Augustine had had success the previous season. Uh, you know, for fantasy purposes, I rolled the dice. I took Oliveira, and it definitely paid off. But we'll have to wait and see for fantasy purposes both the DK salaries this week. I agree. I think Adams, you know, having him in would give them another weapon. But um, you had uh, Kenny Lawler step up, Dembski, even uh, Charles Nelson, who's, you know, more active in the return game. He was getting in on it, too. 
And I did see people in chat always has come and everyone and on the YouTube comments, we've gotten Facebook messages. Where's Cam Meredith? We haven't heard. We haven't <laughs> heard from him. Everyone is asking. He got injured. He's on the practice roster. You know, he's he lives in Winnipeg, so I think they'll they'll hold a spot for him. I hope he can come healthy and play. Love to see what he can do. We've seen highlights of him in the NFL. Health, you know, injuries have been a concern in the past, so hopefully it's something. But, I mean, he'll be back. When he's back, we you'll hear it here. But that is why no one is high winning because he's been injured and there's been no updates. Yeah, uh, Leighton Janice, uh, <laughs> going to be lots of Brady O in next week's DK lineups. That is, uh, that's for sure. Although the Toronto defense was was pretty impressive, especially the guys they have up front. Uh, we'll be all over that game. We'll get some of the guys covering the Bombers on and more CFL talk coming up over the next few weeks and leading right into Friday's show, which will be a game day edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with the Bombers hosting the Toronto Argonauts coming up on Friday night. Great start to the week. Got to thank J.D. Bunkus. Uh, he's a good friend and do a lot of stuff with him through the Cool Bet Connection. was great to have him on the program for the first time. Definitely, if you're looking for a fun show, especially if you're a Jays fan, the uh, guys will be talking almost exclusively Jays uh, in the morning. I guess it starts, what, 9 o'clock or 8 o'clock here to 11 a.m. Uh, if you're listening online from Winnipeg. And um, Justin Dunk, one of the best in the biz, Three Down Nation. He and John Hodge have such great CFL content for CFL fans. It was great to have him on the program. As always, big thanks to our sponsors, Canadian Club, Royal Sports, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Not Autocorp, Boston Pizza, Paramount Services Limited, Little Brown Jug Brewing, Assiniboia Downs, Breezy Bend, and Cool Bet Canada. Folks, have a great night. Thanks so much for listening. If you're listening on the podcast, do us a favor, rate and review. If you haven't already hit the like button, please do that. Make sure you're subscribed and join us daily. One o'clock here on YouTube in your podcast feed just after three here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Have a great Monday night, folks, and we'll see you back here tomorrow at one. Oh, my God. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com. 